0: Let's take our Bibles together, please, to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8. So much here to help us if we'll receive it. Nehemiah chapter 8 is, there's so many essentials to revival. If I had to count them, I think we're on number 10, really. Really? And we're looking at verse number 9. We'll have at least one more message out of this text before we're finished with this chapter. But tonight, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number number 9 together. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 9. The Bible says in Nehemiah, which is the Tirshatha and Ezra the priest, the scribe, And the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom... Nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And all of these things that we've looked at in chapter 8, these essentials to revival as God is now building his people. You understand, as we've said before, so much of the first part of Nehemiah, the first half of it deals with the building of the wall. And now God is building his people. And as he builds his people and the revival taking place in this chapter, there were so many ingredients to it. There was a unified initiative. There was, they were publicly open for God unashamed, They were hunger, hungry for and attentive to the Bible. They were patiently committed. They had a reverence for God and for his word. They allowed the teaching of the word of God to instruct them. They had great emotion at the response of the Bible and their weeping and the conviction that was wrought in their hearts. There was praise, there was worship going on. But the ingredient I give you tonight, and it's always known that there is a, a, a sure need of revival when there's a lack of this ingredient, and that is joy. Joy. You know you need revival when you don't have joy in your life. You know there's great weakness in your life when there's no joy. Now, I know immediately what, what, what can come up in, in your mind. Well, I don't have joy because of this and this and this. But joy is not something that should be subject to what's going on in your life. Now, that's easy to say. But when God told these people to have joy, you have to understand, their lives had been in danger not many days before. Uh, Things aren't very well. They have many things in in their lives that aren't right. Their families are a mess. We see that as we get to the end of the book. But God tells them through his servants, you need to make mirth. Be merry. Have some joy. Put a smile on your face. Quit being sorry. Quit quit crying. Now they had plenty to cry about. But they needed the joy of the Lord to come about in their life. Now, Before I just move on to that, you know, some some people say, well, you know, people that are told to have joy, they just have, you know, all these good things going on in their lives. And that's just not true. Before I get into this, let me show this because I don't want to preach a message and then somebody listening saying, okay, that doesn't apply to me. It doesn't apply to me because I got this, 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 this. That would be great if I could get to a place in my life where I have joy. There's just no way for me to get there right now. And I don't want you to dismiss the Bible. You would dismiss, first of all, the context of these people that found joy when they didn't have it. You have to understand, they are crying. They are weeping their eyes out. They are mourning. They are grieved. And God flips a switch in their heart and they begin to be joyful. You say, how can that happen? Hold your finger there. I want to read you these verses so nobody dismisses the word of God tonight. Luke chapter 6. And then uh, with the other hand, get 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Because I, I think sometimes we are under the impression that all these verses that are written in the Bible that tell us to be joyful and to have joy are written if our circumstances are convenient to them. And that is just not true. It's never been true. Probably if God would gauge the joy of the church and the happiness of the church as you're getting your places there. If I had to guess, I would say this. Are you ready? I would say that the church of Jesus Christ during the Great Depression and World War II had more joy than we do. Now, I don't want to sign up for a Great Depression. I don't want World War II or World War III. How do you have joy when, when, people, when people's uh, boys are coming back in caskets? But I'm telling you, there was joy in the church in those days. There was revival because it, it's not about what's going on around us in our lives. Now, that wasn't true for everybody because there are people in the Depression jumping out of buildings. Right, There were people in the world war that were losing their minds. But I'm talking about God's people. I'm talking about the church that can tap into something that is so far beyond their circumstances. Read it here in the Bible with me. Luke chapter 6. This is the words of Jesus. Do you think Jesus would lie? Do you think whatever Jesus says is something that we ought to receive? Do you think the people that He spoke to in the Gospels here had everything going their way? Do you think these disciples didn't have any troubles? I would submit to you, most of them died for their faith. I would submit to to, most of you that the early church, the first first century church, had more problems than we could ever dream of. But this is what Jesus told to them. He said in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 22, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. Am I reading the Bible? For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did their fathers under the prophet. He said, guys, don't sweat it. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as some strange thing happened unto you. Rejoice about it. Be exceedingly glad and rejoice. As a matter of fact, just leap up and down. I've preached this to people before. We, we don't we say we believe the Bible. We don't believe the Bible because when people start hating us and people start separating us from their company and we have problems with relationship to other people, we don't, we're not joyful about it. Do you see you can have joy even when you're hated? Can you see that? You see, Jesus tells us to have joy when people reproach us and cast us out as evil and they lie about us. And they... How's that possible? Because there's something greater going on than my circumstances. There is a heaven. Guys, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's going to go on in all of our lives before we get to heaven. But I'm going to tell you what, heaven will take care of it all. And that's easy to say. Do we believe in heaven? Do we believe we're going to be there forever? You see, that's the difference between us and a crowd that doesn't know God. We've got a home that's there forever and ever. And we've got the joy of the Lord. Didn't Jesus say, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So whatever I have to go through down here, I'll be able to still have joy if I have eternal things on my heart and mind. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the great text on the missionary church that gave. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 2, these churches of Macedonia how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their what? So, so listen, you can be in a great trial of affliction and still have joy according to the Bible. So if these people in Nehemiah that had so many problems found joy and the people that were persecuted found joy and these people that were in deep poverty and endured great trials of affliction had joy, then what do I need? How do I, get, how do I get this joy? If they can all get it, you can get it. If they can all have it, I can have it. But the first ingredient as we see this, let's see verse number, number 9. Back in our text now in Nehemiah chapter 8. As we look at this joy that God gave to his people, he said in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 9, and Nehemiah, which is the Tirshatha, it's just the governor or the ruler there. And Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people said unto the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God, mourn not nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So they've been crying. God's done a work in their heart. You know, there's, Ecclesiastes tells us in chapter 3, there's a time to weep and then there's a time to laugh. You know, probably until we've done some weeping, we probably won't do much laughing. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. If we don't do some crying, we'll probably never do any rejoicing. That's the testimony of this chapter. What a holy balance this is of crying and mourning. And then it's turned, this godly sorrow is turned into joy. And this is what I want to tell all of us tonight. You cannot have joy if you're not right with God. You can't have it. There is no way for me to have joy unless I'm willing to get right with the Lord. And the intention of the Holy Ghost moving on my heart to weep as I hear the Bible as He deals with my heart. The intention of the Holy Ghost is not just to make me sad, but get me to the place that I'm glad. But i got to go through the sad to get to the glad. In other words, I've got to weep over my sin problem. That the word of God's declared unto me and get that right with God before I can get to the joy. They wept when they heard the words of the law. But the great verse in verse number 12 at the end of the verse. It says they made great mirth because that they had understood the words that were declared. So by hearing the word of God it made them cry. But then understanding the word of God to the full extent in their heart made them rejoice and made them have mirth. God's not just wanting you to go around crying over your sin. He's wanting you to get right with him and then get out of here and have joy and gladness. But I'm telling you, listen, (laughs) it does not matter how much of your circumstances get changed. If you don't get right with God, you'll still not have any joy. I'm speaking wisdom that most of the world doesn't understand. They think if they'll just change their circumstances, then I'll have joy. It don't work that way. Because joy is found within from the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you'll get right with Him, He can make you joyous no matter what condition you're in. As long as you're right with Him. Guys, couldn't we have testimonies tonight about that? I mean, the most miserable times in my life is when I know I've not been right with God. But it doesn't matter what's going on. If I get right with God, then there's a peace and there's a joy and there's a gladness and there's a burden lifted. I really believe one of the reasons people don't have joy is they just not got right with God about some things. Here they weep and cry. And then God's going to turn their weeping into joy. Look at verse 10. He says, this is a commandment, by the way. How would you like this? They're crying. They're weeping. And then verse 10, he says, then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweetness and portions of them for whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy unto our Lord. Look at the verse. Neither be ye sorry. That's a commandment. Look at verse 11. So the Levite stilled all the people. Hold your peace. Everybody be quiet. For the day is holy. Look look at the verse. Neither be ye grieved. Do you see that? Stop being sorry and stop grieving. Now guys, there's a time to grieve. There's a time to grieve over the affliction of others. There's a time to grieve over burdens. There's a time to carry burdens. There's a time for that. But God does not want us to always live in grief or live in sorrow. And the commandment was, quit being filled with sorrow. Stop grieving. Do you know how unusual a command that is? You ever try to tell somebody to "Quit, quit being sorry? Well, I just can't stop that. Stop it. This woman comes into the psychiatrist, you know, and says that she's got all these bad thoughts and stuff, and the psychiatrist, and she says, so what do I do? He says, stop it. And she said, you know, I'm... I'm paying you to help me with this. And he said, well, tell, tell me your problem again. He goes through it and she talks about, you know, he, he said, stop it. That's all I told her to do. Stop it. She said, well, I've got this fear. I've got this fear I live with it. somebody's going to bury me in a box alive. What do I do with that? He said, stop it. Stop thinking that way. Well, well I can't just do it. He just kept telling her just to stop it. She got so angry and so mad, and she's going to leave. And she said, no, you've not given me all my time, you know. He said, all right, I'll give you a few more minutes. Go ahead. What's your next question? So she's very angry. She said, you, you, you've just been unkind. You, this, she said, I, I tell you what, I've got, I've got one, one more thing to ask you. And he, she, she told him that, and he said, she said, what am I doing that?'" He said, he got it, and he said, I'm going to tell you one thing, and it'll cure the rest of your life. She said, okay. He got up and said, Stop it or I'll bury you in a box. (laughs) Now, now listen to me. You say, oh, how cruel, how awful. Look, look, I'm telling you, the commandment was stop it. That's what Nehemiah said. You're crying, stop it. I know that's easier said than done, but that's what happened. I know you're mourning. Stop it. There's a time to weep. There's a time to mourn. Now it's time to laugh. Now it's time to have a good time. Now it's time to rejoice. Now it's time to sing. Now it's time to make mirth. Now it's time to feast. And this is a great ingredient. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why, why most young people don't want to have anything to do with God. They think there's no joy in it. They think there's no reality in it. They think there's no glad- gladness in it. They've watched all the sorrow and the grief and the upset and the tears so much they don't have anything to do with God because they don't think there's any reality of joy and happiness. So they'll look for it in a bar, they'll look for it being inebriated, they'll look for it with friends, they'll look for it in pleasure, they'll look for it in illicit relationship, they'll look for it in money, they'll look for it everywhere in the world. Because they watch some people that name the name of Christ and say, I don't see any joy there. I'm gonna go try to find me some. I tell you what, there's no joy out there. And there is joy in Jesus Christ, no matter how bad of a testimony we are sometimes. That's why we ought to not have joy just for ourselves, but for others that are watching us to see there's something real about God that's bigger than whatever. He said, don't be sorry, don't be grieved. And then he says something else, I like this. I, I like it because I'm carnal, but verse 12, or excuse me, verse 10, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet. Verse 12, and all the people went their way to eat and to drink. <laughs> and to send portion to make great. You know what he said? He said, y'all go have a feast. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Y- y- y'all go kill the fatty calf and, and just rejoice and-, and have a big dinner. Now, before anybody gets carried away, they only did this three times a year. Some people eat the fat. Well, he's not talking about French fries. I'm not going to get into a Bible study, but eating the fat it's the best portion. Okay, He's not talking about eating lard, guys. That's not what he said. And when he says drink the sweet, he's not talking about Coca-Cola. It would behoove all of us to drink more water. You say, what does that have to do? I don't want anybody leaving the church. Well, the Bible says drink the sweet. Am I in the Bible, did he tell them to go eat, have a good time? Guys, when's the last time you just sat there and you had a good time eating? Now, look, you can go overboard with that and be in trouble. Right. I mean, because really, what they're going to do later, you know, they're going to they're be. Huh. Look at chapter 9, verse 1, before I get, get us off the mark here. In chapter 9, verse number 1, now on the 24th day of, the, of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with what? <laughs> there's feasting and then there's fasting. You don't get to feast if you don't fast, or you're going to have a problem. But I'm telling you that God has times in your life He wants you to feast. That ought to be in your home. That ought to be with the church. The children of Israel did that three times a year. They did it in the, in the Feast of Passover, and then they did it in the Feast of Weeks, and then they did in the Feast of Tabernacles, which is really what's the year. Three times a year they did that. They sat down. They just had a great time together. Guys, if we don't learn to have a great time together, I mean, what are we? What are we living for? Amen. Amen. You know, I don't wake up. I, I don't wake up thinking about ending my life. I will enjoy living. Amen. That doesn't mean everything in my life is perfect. I enjoy eating my wife's cooking today that she made me for Father's Day. It's great. And I took some of Miss uh, Lynette and Brother Larry's uh, jalapenos and put them all over that and made it even better. I enjoyed everybody. And that's the sin I gave to my kids, you know. They, they they're overboard with that. They they enjoy I enjoy it. I mean you ever heard of comfort food? I get I get comfort, I feel better when I get to eat. There's and let me there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you also have the fasting. I'd much rather have that than sitting around at the table, amen, and nobody wants your religion. Right. Good. Because you can't even enjoy your meal. Yeah. Come on. You know you need revival when you can't even enjoy your food. You know, some people don't even have any food. I never forget going through Haiti and just bawling like a baby. Looking at all them kids. Their belly swole. And I got all this food and I can't even enjoy it. What's wrong with me? I need revival. That's what I need. He said, He said, I want you to quit being sorry. I want you to have a good time together. But you know what's dangerous about that? Look, look, look on down. He says, by the way, I, 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 it's more than just in this text. You remember when Elijah was depressed? What did God do with him? He put him to sleep and he woke him up. And what did he do to him? He fed him. Don't you think an angel can bake a pretty good meal? He fed him. Back there in Genesis, they had strangers come to him. And they, they said, comfort your hearts. And they, they fed him a meal. You remember that prodigal son when he came home? What did dad say? He said, go kill that fatted calf. We're going to feast tonight. Isn't that what he said? But there was somebody in there that couldn't have a good time at the meal. There was somebody in that family that didn't have any joy. And couldn't be happy over the brother getting right with God. And you know what the brother said? Well, you never have killed a calf for me. You know what's true? <laughs> you know what's true about joy? This is what's true about joy. We are so sinful that if we have no joy, if we see somebody else having joy, it it upsets us, it makes us angry. We have a problem rejoicing with those that do rejoice. Now he says the opposite also weep with those that weep. But he said you, you need to rejoice with people that are rejoicing. Even if you don't, you can rejoice on credit just because God's blessed somebody else. And if you can, there's something wrong in your own heart. It's like people that don't have anything and they see somebody that's been blessed and they got a new car and they got a new house and they can't stand them. Or here's, here's here's a lady that sees another lady prettier than her and she can't stand it. She don't get to look like that. Here's a guy that's got a wife, and his wife doesn't look as good as that guy's wife, and he, so he's mad at that guy for having. I'm preaching now. I'm not married, and they're married, and it's just not fair, and I'm miserable. They got kids, and I don't have kids, so I'm mad. They've got joy. Why do they always have to smile? And why are things so good for them? You know what? You know how wicked we are? We are so wicked that we're not happy unless everybody else is just as miserable as we are. He said, y'all stop all that stuff. Go in there and have a good time. Preacher, I can't have a good... Yes, you can. The Bible says here in this verse, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in my life before my race is over. But whether this is always true in my life or not, it's still always true. The Bible said in verse 12, and all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, Great mirth, not just a little bit. They've turned from mourning to—they're—they're greatly happy. You know that Bible says a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. That Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, and I know people that need a dose. Jesus said, "Be of good cheer." I like being around people that are joyful. Amen. Amen. Some of our young people are joyful. He's not here, I'll brag him. You know why I like Joel Norton? He's just positive about everything, even if it's bad. <laughs> That's true. I, I've counseled him. I've had him in my office talking about stuff. And it's, it seems to be the worst thing in the world. And he, he's, got, he's got something good about it. Praise God Amen. for joy like... I tell you what, kidder has got a lot of joy. Yeah. If you need something, get around her. She's got plenty of it. Matter of fact, don't hurt her joy. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. 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 Amen. Amen. My daughter-in-law, she's not in here. She's in the nursery. She's got, she's got good joy. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Good. Doesn't matter how mean my son is, she's got joy. Yeah. <laughs> You know why? Because she gets it from in here. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's not just young ones. You know what? D- don't you love Brother Paul? Yeah. Hey, you don't know all the burdens that Paul McCarty has. He's got joy. Yeah. He's got joy. And how about, how about Brother Marty and Miss Gail here? Yeah. I have never seen them cross. I'm not saying they never have been. Gail cackles like a hen. She is so happy. They, they pick on each other at the and just laugh. You say, preacher, that's revival. If we could get off some of that, we'd have revival. Yeah, yeah. Amen, yes you would. He said, I wonder why he didn't call my name. I'm not saying that nobody else has joy in here. I'm not saying that. But I tell you what, there are some people's names I can't call. (coughs) You say, how important is that preacher? I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't fornicate. I go to church. I'm not a bad person. Well, let's look at this measurement of our Christian life. Look at verse number 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry. I want you, we all know this phrase, we just don't live it. For the joy of the Lord is your what? That means we cannot be strong Christians without joy. The strength, the power, evidently, the power of revival, the strength of the revival was not measured by the conviction, it was measured by the joy. Do you know the sorrows even of conviction can lead to people being overwhelmed and just giving up altogether? He said the joy of the Lord is your strength. He didn't say your tears are your strength. He said the joy of the Lord is your strength. He didn't say their Bible knowledge was their strength. And I believe in learning the Bible. But I met a lot of people that know the Bible. And they don't have any joy. And they don't have any strength. He didn't say your standards were your strength. I believe in standards. But they're not the strength of our lives. I've met people that had more standards than God that I wouldn't want to be around five miles from anywhere, anywhere they are. Because they don't have any happiness. Have all the standards if you want to. But if you don't have as much joy as you have standards, your life is out of balance, sir. Your life is out of balance, ma'am. Because it's the joy of the Lord. If we measured our spirituality by our joy, how spiritual are we, church? How strong is Sweet Springs Baptist Church? I'd say about as strong as our joy is. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Say with me, The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh the joy of the Lord is my strength. And then the batters get nervous when they said he. Fills my mouth with laughter. Ah, ha, ha. He fills my mouth with laughter. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. He fills my mouth with laughter. Ah, ha ha, ha, ha. With laughter. ah ha, 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 ha. Oh, the joy of the Lord. My strength. You said, what a crazy fool. Just let me be crazy. And let me be happy. Now. I bet you won't be feeding me under the door. <laughs> How's your joy tonight? How's your strength tonight? Most Christians are so weak because their joy is their strength and they don't have any. I'm not talking about hollow emotion. I'm not talking about hilarity. I'm talking about real deep-seated joy. Not not just superficial. He says the joy of the Lord. You see, church, listen to me. The reason that we can have it despite whatever's going on. Because it's His joy. He said, my joy I give to you, Jesus said. Listen, He said in John 15, what a great verse. He said, I'm giving you my joy that your joy might be full. The only way you can be full of joy is you get my joy. It's the joy of the Lord. How could Jesus have joy going to the cross? He went to the cross and he endured the shame. But he said, for the joy that was set before him. You say, preacher, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Well, somewhere down the road, it turned to a bunch of joy in his heart. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, the fruit of the Spirit is love. You see, it's His joy. If I get filled with the Spirit, I'll get filled with joy. You know what we ought to do? We ought to find out what makes God happy and see if it makes me happy. See if the joy of the Lord is my joy. You know what? I enjoy hunting. I enjoy fishing. I just don't get to do it. Don't get to do any of that much. I enjoy trout fishing when we lived up in the mountains of Virginia and getting in those streams. That's a blessing. I love that. I love deer hunting. I love all that. But I bet God, when the next day turns over, doesn't say, man, what if we get to go hunting today? That's not his joy. You know what's strange? It's strange that what makes Christians happy. Yep. Yep. Why don't we get happy about what he gets happy about? You know, we had, a, we had a young person in Bible school in VBS, a child in VBS. When VBS was over, they sat right there on the pew and they cried. And we thought something was wrong. Well, what's wrong with you? I don't want Bible school to be over. <laughs> Just loved it so much. Joy. Because what made God happy ought to make us happy. God loves preaching. You know, if somebody's not happy about preaching, that just means they don't have any joy of the Lord. They're not interested. What makes God happy doesn't make them happy. Church. Church makes God happy. You know why I know? Because he wants to be there. He said, I if there's even two or three of you, I'll come. Amen. Amen. He must like church so much, it doesn't even take a crowd for him to show up. Why? He wants to be there. He likes being with his people. How much joy do you have tonight? Do you need revival? I said, preacher, some things are hard. Well, I know. But that sweet wine is crushed out of those grapes. And that precious oil is pressed out of that fruit. Maybe we ought to do like David. Maybe we ought to pray for it. What do you pray for? You ever pray for joy? David prayed. You, you know the text in Psalm 51. Restore unto me the what? Joy. joy. God, not change my circumstances, but God, would you give me back the joy I used to have? Would you give me back my smile? Would you give me back that mirth and that enjoyment of life that, that I find in you, God? Would, would, I'm praying that you would restore that to me. I want to close with this tonight. Would you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 16? All of this was written down in the Bible. God had always told the children of Israel to do this. They just never, they never did it. Not sufficiently, not to the extent they're fixing to do it in Nehemiah chapter 8. We will never find joy outside of Jesus Christ. It's, it, it's not going to happen. But with the Lord Jesus Christ, these feasts that He gave them to express their joy, this is what He told them to do. Look at Deuteronomy 16. You'll find these all these feasts mentioned here. The first one from verse 1 to 8, the next one from 9, 10, 11, 12, the... The last one, 13, 14, 15. <clears throat> and he said in chapter 16, verse 11, about these feasts that they have together. Deuteronomy 16, 11, And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God. This is a commandment. Yes, sir. Thou and thy son. and thy daughter. Hey, boys, get with it. It's time to rejoice. You know, the rejoicing just ain't for mom and dad. It's supposed to be for the, the kids. You know, when you have a good, you got a good church when the kids start getting happy. I've been in churches where the kids run around the church. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking about during song service. You say, well, how... How undignified. I'd rather have that in a dead song service. Right. Amen. You know, probably you take about 25 of us out of here, we'd have a dead song service. Yep. Amen. Come on. When these kids get to rejoice, you see, they, they ought to be, at a young age, they ought to be looking at mom, dad. We've had some of our children do this. And, and they, they've seen somebody raise their hand. And there's this little kid. He starts raising his hand. <laughs> He don't even know what he's doing. You know what I say? Maybe he'll start. You know what I love about them Bible school children that get up and sing? They just sing, I mean, Jonah, Jonah. I'd rather have that than Mr. Grumpy Pants. Don't like the preaching, don't like the singing, don't like nothing. Yeah, you don't like life. You know what? You you need to get up with them children and start singing Jonah. Amen. You need to get up there. I got the joy, joy, joy. Don't, don't, Don't embarrass us. What if we all did that? And I'm so happy. So some of you would be so embarrassed to do that, but it's so much better than walking in church with a long face and look like you've been sucking on persimmons and go through your whole week just as miserable as you can be. Why don't you ask God for some joy? Amen. If I have to, I'll go back there and get those symbols and bang them like a monkey. Anything's better. joy he says I want your kids to be doing that your son and your daughter I I didn't get through reading that you're a hard preacher (laughs) yeah but when I come to the office I don't scream at Teresa (laughs) when I come home I don't yell at my wife we don't live that way now sometimes she says you know you're loud (laughs) I'll be on the phone. You're loud. Well, that's just the way I am. Amen. But I don't scream at people. There's a difference in preaching and living. Yep. I'm not a miserable person. He's just so mad. His eyes bug out. He's preaching to <laughs> Wow. Mean. I enjoy living. Amen. And you don't know what kind of burden I have to bear. I don't enjoy living because everything's perfect in my life. Thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son and thy daughter, and thy manservant. They even made the workers rejoice. (laughs) And the Levite that is within thy gates, and the stranger... When strange people came and said, you know what, you can come in here, but you're going to rejoice. <laughs> you may be a stranger, but you come in here, you are out to smile and say hallelujah every now and then. Even if you don't know what it means, because this is the place of mirth. The stranger and the... F- the what? The fatherless... God said, I want you children, you people to come in that don't have dads. I want you to come in here. I want you to rejoice. The fatherless and the... I want all of you, whoever you are, come in here. I want you to rejoice. How can we do that, preacher? Verse 12. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, (laughs) and thou shalt observe and do these statutes. Thus thou shalt observe the feast of tabernacles seven days. After that thou shalt, thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine, thou shalt rejoice in thy feast. Thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are within thy gates. Seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast on the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase and in all the works of thine hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. How can we do that? Because God's blessed us. You're blessed. Thank you, Lord. And because if we would just think and remember, thank God I don't live in Egypt. Pharaoh doesn't run my life. I am not in chains of bondage. I have been made free. All that rigor. And all that temptation and all that cruelty of the devil and Pharaoh. God has set me free and redeemed me for that. And He brought me out into a land of blessing. And a good land. A blessed land. And He's blessed my life. And I was just a slave. And now God has brought me out and gave me more than my heart's desire. So therefore I ought to be able to rejoice. I rejoice tonight that the devil's not in charge of me. And I am not shackled with sin. I'm not shackled with its penalty. And I'm not shackled with its power. And hallelujah one day I will never even be around its presence. So how can I not rejoice?